to Trek Companion. This is episode 266. I'm your host, Brian Williams. I am Adam Caesar. I'm Stephen Embry. And today we're discussing Discovery's first season episodes, What's Past is Prologue, and The War Without, The War Within. Here we go. What's Past is Prologue, Season 1, Episode 13. Original release date, January 28, 2018. Directed by Olatunde Osunsanmi, written by Ted Sullivan. Guest cast include Rekha Sharma as Ellen Landry, Emily Coots as Kayla Detmer, Jeremy Crittenden as Lord Ealing, Patrick Kwok Chun as Reese, Sarah Midich as Ariam, Oyen Oladejo as Joanne Osekun, and Ronnie Roy Jr. as Bryce. <laughs> Lorca frees his old crew, and with the help of Mirror Stamus, they are able to kill those loyal to the Emperor and usurp her throne. Burnham evades capture and contacts Discovery. They agree to a plan where Burnham lowers the containment field around a large energy source originating from the mycelial network. Discovery will then arrive to destroy the energy source, causing an explosion which they can ride through the mycelial network. To work, Burnham must convince, find and convince Giorgio to help. Hello, Philippa. I've watched for years. You let alien races spill over the borders and flourish in our backyard. You have the gall to incite rebellion. Terrans need a leader who will preserve our way of life, our race. Try as you might, it's clearly not you. Even Michael knew that. It was her great shame. Steve, kick us off on Pastor's Prologue. All right, yeah. You know what's funny is that um, the last couple of these, uh, well, this the, what we're talking about today, and to a lesser degree, the one we talked about the late last time is, I don't remember as well as some of them. I mean, I watched them all, and I watched them all the once on the most part, I think, the first time around, um, and then maybe once again. I don't know, but it was just kind of like I had to, I had to put a lot together in my head. It's like, oh yeah, that, like, I wouldn't have been able to tell you going into the episode exactly what happens or how things resolve or except in a very broad sense. I don't know what's up with that. I don't know if I was kind of just zoning out or something. Um, I, I do note that like, you know, when they kind of like say, uh, last time on discovery or whatever, um, it's kind of like the more of a mess you got leading into it, the more you mess you got to watch because they have to like cover all this different ground. And then I, I noted there were a whole lot of things in the episode too that were like, okay, they're just reminding people about this. And you know, this kind of so, so much plot or something that kind of was tiresome. Now, I mean, I, I think there were a lot of exciting moments in this. I think there were some fun stuff where you're kind of go, are they going to, you know, they're going to make it, they got to take care of this, then they got to do this and all of that. But on the whole, that, that kind of thing, if they do, if it's done well, it's fun and it's fine to have a a big, a big action driven, uh, you know, story, but I, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't like do a whole lot for me. It just feels kind of like the same old, same old to some extent, you know, also I would say, um, I'd kind of forgotten about how Lorca went, to the prime universe from the mirror universe, which essentially it's, it's basically the same way the original series mirror universe happened with the transporter accident, which also kind of takes a little bit of wind out of his sails. Cause I, I, for some reason I had in my head that like he engineered it, you know, like I'm going to go over there and do something then come back and all this kind of stuff. I'd, I'd kind of forgotten about that. Anyway, I, I guess that's, that's my initial, those are my initial thoughts on this. Yeah. I, I think we're the same, you know, there's, <laughs> it's almost like, and, and I felt this way a, a little bit in the next episode too. 
But it's all, you know what it reminds me of? Just in a much smaller way, not nearly as bad, but you know, like Michael Bay movies, and it's just nonsense, craziness, cut, 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 so much stuff going on. It's like, you try to, try to you feel like you just have to pause it and step back and think, okay, what the hell is going on right now? And when it's that kind of thing, it's easy to like not actually remember any of the details. And, and I don't think this is a good thing. I'm not like, oh, that's cool. No, I think it's an example of, of poor storytelling. Because once you strip all that stuff away, it just starts to feel kind of shallow. And, you know, I, and then I don't care. And then there's this big phaser fight in the hallway. And it's boring. It's shockingly boring, even though there's it's all this action stuff going on, special effects and et cetera. And it's boring because I just, I don't know any of these people and I don't care. <laughs> it's kind of like putting, it's putting the cart before the horse in a way for me. Yeah, it's like yeah. saying, I, I want to do this thing like this set piece and to get there i'm going to tell you make up some convoluted way to get there right well in a, in a bit on a bigger scale i feel like that's what the whole the mirror universe was about period mm. we, i talked about that last yeah. our last yeah. podcast it was like they just wanted to go to the mirror universe mm-hmm. <laughs> you know it really didn't make sense to me for them to do it now it certainly always it certainly feels more organic when uh the character's motivations what naturally kind of evolves leads them into some path and then it, it's like oh interesting that took them to this th- thing that is that is an interesting locale or a s- interesting story element or something like that but you can always you see a mile away when whenever you have just a a a big moment a big revelation that is just like i want to make the big revelation i want to have the big moment i'm going to make up some convoluted way to get there now my memory is when we get into the second season my memory is that it starts off with the exact same problem and you and even though you're like oh this is a really cool action scene in the asteroid field it's like well i feel like they 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 designed this before they even knew what the story was going to be behind it you know like a video game game or something but Later in the season, I feel like they start to make a course correction in season two, and they really start, you know, things start to become more organic, like you're talking. But right now, we're in the the worst of it. I'm going to have a lot more complaints about this concept in the next episode, I think, today. Uh, Adam, your your first thoughts here? Yeah, I can't really disagree with um, anything you guys are saying. Um, I'm, I'm kind of had the similar feeling with with. Steve that I didn't quite remember this, but I'd only seen it once and it's been a few years, so I didn't feel too bad. But, you know, I was had the same feeling you did about Lorca. Like, I thought he had kind of engineered this to escape Giorgio and, you know, to kind of find, oh, it was just kind of a, an accident that he got swapped over. So, um, I don't know, that was kind of a little disappointment. <laughs> it's like, oh, I thought he was more clever than that. But I mean, I, you know, to hit home on the point that you guys were making. So, you know, we basically, you know, they go to the mirror universe, you know, so basically the first, you know, two thirds of the season has been about the Klingon war, Burnham and, you know, this relationship that she's having. It's been kind of more focused elsewhere. And then it's kind of, we, we, we know um, that Lorca is not your usual captain, but we hadn't, there's been nothing really, there was nothing really like clear cut to take us down this road um, that we went in, in the mirror universe. And so it's kind of like, we just kind of take a tangent here in the middle of season one to kind of, to do this action romp and, you know, this character surprise with Lorca. I even thought Burnham was quick to turn on Lorca because I, I, you know, we've talked about this a little more. I didn't think their relationship was bad early on in the season, you know, yeah, he, I thought this too. they brought her in, he mentored her. They got a lot. They didn't have any issues. I mean, you know, and you know, we've talked about if it wasn't for him, she'd still be sitting in a cell somewhere. Um, now we know what Lorca's reasons were for bringing her along. Cause he had this passionate relationship with the mirror, with the mirror burning. But I kind of thought it was like a quick turn for her to go. Well, 
let's kill this guy now. I, you know, cause he kind of done a lot for her character. And, um, I don't know. This might just be kind of the, you know, the fast pace that they went at. I think maybe it would have been better if they would have set up Lorca as a devious person earlier on or done things that were a little bit more concrete because it was great. You know, we talked about it a lot, you know, it was more Lorca kind of lived in the gray zone. It wasn't terribly bad, but he wasn't obviously, you know, um, Kurt Picard, you know, Janeway, that kind of thing. He was, but he wasn't quite Jericho. From the time she finds out that he's bad dude <laughs> to the time that she's physically fighting to kill him. Right. <laughs> How much time is that? Minutes. Yeah. I don't know. 10 minutes? Maybe maybe 15? I don't think so. I mean, actually, in the show, like the, the in-universe time. It's such a small amount of time. And she's been with the guy for months. And they had some good scenes. And where, he's you know, the he... reason that she's not in, uh, you know, some far-off brig thing, you know, they had such a relationship that I that's that's exactly how I felt. Like seeing her physically trying to kill him in that fisticuffs scene at the end. I'm like, really? I mean, how, how is this so fast? He was trying to bring her along. It just seemed like a weird turn. It didn't seem natural. I know I understand why they had to do it. That you know, it's you know an hour episode. They're doing 15 up. You know, they gotta they gotta. They gotta move. They gotta move the line. No, this they gotta is, move that's the, the word line. that Steve brought up earlier. You know, organic. Yeah, yeah it, right. it seemed like oh, we're gonna we're gonna end this episode with this big fist fight. Okay, great. You know, but it's it's not it's not thinking about the characters. And I don't know. I don't know who mentioned Michael Bay, but it made, made me laugh inside. It's like because yeah, that fight scene is really long and it's kind of drawn out. You know, mm-hmm. the, you know, you got three separate fights going on, and I think Lorca even even in the middle of that fight, he saves Burnham from one of his henchmen. I think in that scene. So Hmm. that's where it's kind of, he clearly has strong feelings for her. And like I said, I think she had strong feelings for her. I'm I'm harping on this, but I mean, like I said, it was a, the the turn, her turn on him was too fast. And I think, yeah. And she, she even says, I'm not going to kill you because I'm Starfleet and that's not our way. It's not because we're buddies or, or because I've been with you all this time. And I, because I know you, it's nothing like that. The Mm -hmm. only reason I'm not killing you is because that's not the Starfleet way. Yeah. And, um, Mm -hmm. And you know how do we know if Lorca is really that bad for the mirror universe? I mean, you know, that's kind of the way things go in the mirror universe. You know, you kill you kill your superior to get um, promoted. So, like I said, I, I think he kind of got cheap changed. The, the character got cheap changed there. It would, it would have been much more interesting if there you would have felt something for. I mean, he was the leader of a rebellion against this dominating force of all sorts of nasty stuff was going on right but they just it's like they purposely make him try to be as nasty as he can so you just have nasty and nasty in this world you don't you just not like i don't care if any of them it, it, you know and then she ends up you know saving uh saving the emperor and you're kind of like, what, what's the purpose of any of this stuff i i, I mean i I, did, I didn't care that she survived obviously we we carry on with her and some interesting stuff happens but we love michelle that's the only reason yeah that yeah but but overall i mean they don't make the character appealing like I, I save her over him or why does anyone why does anyone care about this you know i i don't know well they'd spent the i mean you know they'd spent a vast amount of time setting up Lorca as Maybe a bad guy, maybe not a bad guy. Um, he, you know, he had his good moments, his bad moments. So you had all the investment in this in this particular character, and then you just flip it to to, to the Emperor Giorgio, and all that affection and and caring and, and you know feeling. And what about this whole thing? Giorgio's ship. There's nobody on it. Is using it, but it's using some mycelial network power. It looks like a little mini sun in the middle. Uh, and that they know, 
Like we find out about, oh, in this one episode, oh, looks to us like uh, that power source is going to destroy all life in every universe. <laughs> yeah. They just, they don't care about that. They just want to be as powerful as they can right now and power the, the you know, the second swimming pool or something. So, <laughs> I mean, this, wait, what? Yeah, I know. And it's, it's so fleeting, right? They just, they just like, they make a very grandiose thing. It almost looks like they're going to head towards some like, kind of an environmental theme, like a message or something, you know, like not unsustainability or something like that, but it just, it's there, then it's gone. And it's like, they're going to, they're going to destroy everything and they're, they're going to destroy the, the network and that's wrong. They need to go away and you kind of forget about it by the time the ship blows up anyway. And it, it, it's dumb. I don't know. I noticed that it's, it's a city ship that didn't really have very many people on it. It's this big, huge, grandiose city ship, and there's like, doesn't seem like there are too many people. It seemed like a lot of people were by themselves in the corridors. It did feel a little bit that that last fight, physical fight with uh, Giorgio and Burnham. I mean, it's like the, the scene starts off, it's the two of them massively outnumbered, and then they're just two little Rambos, and they, they kill everybody. Everybody. They kill everybody. Mm-hmm. Except for the last moment when Burnham doesn't personally kill uh, Lorca, because that would be against our fleet's run. Now, killing everybody else in the room. <laughs> what, what? Right. Well, I, was, I was a little, little confused. They had, it seemed like they had an edit mess up, because it's, it seemed like Discovery actually fired on the throne room and, and penetrated the, the throne room. And then I was mm-hmm. half expecting to see people blown out into space, and nothing really Can happened. Can you imagine an episode of Next Gen where Picard and Riker are kind of like prisoners in a room with, let's just say, a dozen others, and they kill everybody. <laughs> they they just kill them all. You know, people are. I'm I'm I'm, I'm saying this because I'm imagining people listening to our podcast are like, especially if they really love Discovery. They're like, that's the show. What are you complaining about? It. Just do that for me. Imagine Riker and Picard killing twelve people in like thirty seconds. Many of them with their bare hands. You know, knifing them or whatever. I don't even think Kirk got that was that good. <laughs> I'm not. Even, I'm not just talking about skill. I'm talking about ethics here. I'm talking about what <laughs> right. is Star Trek. Right. I was. I was going to say something like maybe they could have done it if they were like all unarmed packlids or something. But <laughs> they wouldn't. They wouldn't do that. They would not do that. Packlids. So that. But that'd be the only way they could do it. So yeah, it's it's a contradiction. Yeah, yeah it doesn't. Yeah. Work. Uh, Brian, to your point, it got a little violent too. I I didn't. I noticed. Um, Georgia. She put a gun under somebody's neck and blew. They actually yeah, showed nasty. the phaser. The you know blew up. Shot him under the neck, and they had they had the blowhole on the back. And now it wasn't blood; it just looked like an orange phaser burn. But I was like, "Wow, that's pretty graphic." At the end of the episode, so we got this: they kill everybody. Then Burnham rescues Giorgio. Destroy D- Discovery destroys the globe thing. Uh, then some more people come in so that we can see them die when the ship explodes. Discovery finally gets home, but. Nine months late. Ha, ha, ha. I actually wrote in my notes, oh, per, for Pete's effing sake. I wrote effing. I didn't write the word out. It's like, oh, for Yeah, I forgot about the nine months. Yeah, yeah, I know. And it was kind of, by this time, I almost forgot the Klingon War. And that's the problem yeah. with this thing, too. Yeah. It's kind of like, oh, what? Oh, that. The yeah, Klingon yeah. War. Yeah, I couldn't remember. Yeah, yeah. It's weird because it's when you watch this, like um, when you binge watch this, it's a little different because you're just kind of going straight through it. I've, and that's the ex- I've been experiencing it a little bit more like a week to week show 
going through this podcast this time around. And I think when you binge when you binge watch like three or four episodes straight, I mean everybody's familiar with this, is like you you don't really have time to notice the, you know, the flaws or maybe things that don't kind of fit well because you've already moved on to the next episode. You've already forgot about the last one. You just kind of remember the key key plot points. And I think that's probably part of the reason there's some weakness in the writing and going on here when you go back and look at it individually it's not quite as strong as it would be if you're just going straight through what is this episode about it's it's a big romp it's a romp it's a big fun romp i mean i could say you know it's about writing a wrong but i don't even know if that's true because um michael you know saving giorgio that's not really writing a wrong it's just kind of satisfying her own guilt about letting her captain or not letting her but her, you know being involved in captain giorgio's death i don't know i I'm, i would just be making stuff up I, what did you get steve no i agree I, I think it's a it's a classic example of you'd have to really just fabricate some connection to to say what is to say what they're trying to say because it doesn't have time really to dwell with that dwell on that on the issue of meaning or something it's just it just keeps moving you know and they they try to they try to hide goofy stuff by keeping moving, but it doesn't necessarily work. Like you said, Steve earlier, I mean, you know, they could have made made more of an environmental thing. You know, obviously, yeah, you know, yeah. they're talking about the corruption of the mycelial network and that kind of thing. I mean, they could have hit home more on that, but it was more just kind of like a flashing p- plot line to move the story forward, as opposed to like you know the dangers of you know messing with mm-hmm. you know um, the environment and you know the re- repercussions of messing with the environment when you don't really know what you're doing. Yeah. yeah, and Lorca has a couple lines about, you know, the federation is a failed state. Mm-hmm. But it, it felt like maybe they were they could, they could have commented on something there, but they they really didn't. It kind of like makes it worse when they hint at a meaning and they don't have one, you know, because if they just like would have just kept moving and kept killing each other or whatever, you wouldn't even thought about that. But instead we talk about, oh, here's a missed opportunity. Here's another missed opportunity. They could have done, you know, so I don't know. All right, let's do six degrees for what's past is prologue. Uh, all my questions today are just trivia questions. Steve, you kind of hinted at this, so you're going to get this question. Is It is revealed that Lorca's ship went through an ion storm and caused him to get to the prime universe that transporter accident the same way the original series crew went to the mirror universe who were the four crew members of the 1701 that were transported to the mirror universe in mirror mirror um it was um kirk mccoy scotty and uhura yes sir steve got it we are moving on the war without the war within season one episode 14 original release date february 4th 2018 directed by david solomon written by lisa randolph guest cast include jane brooke as vice admiral katrina cornwell mary chifo as laurel james frayne as Sarek, michael ayers as transporter officer emily coots as kayla detmer Raven Dauda as Dr. Pollard, Riley Gilchrist as Admiral Shukar, Julianne Grossman as Discovery Computer, Harry Judge as Admiral Gorch, Patrick Kwok-Chun as Reese, Sarah Minich as Arium, Melanie Nichols-King as Admiral Drake, Oyen Oladejo as Joanne Oosekun, and Ronnie Roy Jr. as Bryce. Discovery is faced with the harsh reality of the war during their absence. And in order to move forward, Starfleet must use unconventional tactics and sources to take their next action against the Klingons. With that in mind, Giorgio tells Burnham how she defeated the Klingons in the Mirror Universe with a divisive surprise attack on their homeworld of Cronus. 
Getting similar counsel from Laurel, Admiral Cornwell agrees with Burnham's proposal that the Federation must do the same. What do you know of your counterpart, Captain Philippa Georgia? I know that she is dead, and I am not. But I will leave you to determine which of us has proved stronger. Specialist Burnham has assured us that your arrival in this universe is without motive. But your presence here remains complicated. The solution, however, is not. Send me home. The Emperor narrowly escaped a violent revolution. She deserves political asylum. I don't need your protection. So we find out in this episode that they excised the Klingon in Tyler's neurological identity. Well, that explains it. <laughs> okay, everything's okay now. Yeah. Now we understand. Yep. Yes. Now we got it. Makes total sense in that um, was Volk was like what crushed up and his heart was cut in pieces for what purpose? I don't know. Oh, well, I don't, you know, we don't have to talk about that. Okay. Uh, Adam, kick us off on this episode. All right. We're back in um, normal time, nine months. Not normal time, norm, normal space, maybe. No, normal space, oh, normal but, okay. but, but normal um Normal universe, how's that? We're in the, the prime universe, let's call it that. Um, but um, nine months into the future from where they left. When we were talking off, I completely forgot about you know the nine-month gap from when they returned from their adventures in the mirror universe. Um, so we're here, we find out the Klingon Empire is, you know, basically almost won the war. But on the other side of that, they are the Klingon empire is factioned out. So the, the Federation is being attacked by, um, you know, whatever, what is it? 24, 25 in the 20, there's 20 different houses in the Klingon empire and they're all kind of at war with each other. And they're at war with the Federation. And it's just kind of a free for all of, of killing and destroying and mayhem pretty much. So discovery's back. Um, we see Sarek and Admiral Cornwall pretty much right off the bat. We get things explained to us. Cornwall's all upset about Lorca, and then she finds about it, Giorgio, and then, you know, we get into, like, how Giorgio defeated the Klingons. Laurel tells um, Admiral Cornwall, you know, you have to, you know, you, you basically have to completely defeat the Klingons for them to leave you alone. Um, so we get into the, you know, then we get into the, the meat of this episode is like, you know, how are they going to attack the Klingons? Like, how are they going to get to Kronos? How are they going to map the planet? So, I mean, there's a lot going on in this episode as, as most episodes here in Discovery. I, I, if I remember correctly, Brian, you didn't like this episode that much. I didn't, I didn't have a problem with it. It's kind of moving the story. We kind of get back to what, the original part of the season was about, you know, you know, and at this point, at this point in the season, you know, they've done so many different crazy things. It's just kind of like, all right, well, this is kind of the theme of, of discovery and the new star Trek. You're just, every episode is going to be kind of craziness. And so that's kind of where we're at in this episode. Um, I'm hesitant to talk about the Tyler and Burnham stuff because I've, I'm way past it being old. Um, I will say this, um, I, I thought the performances that Tyler gave in this episode, I thought were good. I thought were genuine. I kind of felt his distress and all that kind of thing. So that's the positive I'll give on it. But at the end of the day, I didn't really care that much. And I kind of, I, yeah, I, I thought it was too much of an emphasis in this episode, maybe because he wasn't in the last one. That's why they felt they had to do it in this one. But um, yeah, that's where we're at. 
when I talk about the Michael Bay thing and the show sometimes just feels nonsensy. A good example of that is Admiral Cornwell and Sarek suddenly beaming onto the bridge at the beginning of the episode with their phasers drawn. And I'm just like, oh, God sake. Then <laughs> um, the mind meld. Who are you? <laughs> oh, yeah. Another one of those forced mind melds, which, you know, another word comes to mind. Violation. That doesn't, I just, how is that? Okay. But anyway, you know. You said, like, well, at least we now, now we got back to the main story. I don't really feel like that. My complaint about this episode, and I really don't like it. This is the penultimate episode of the season, and it feels like we're starting a brand new storyline that changes everything and probably should be an entire season. <laughs> but we're going to wrap it up in a matter of minutes. <laughs> it's like, well, what? Um, yeah, the Klingons are winning the war. That's what you missed. Let's go. <laughs> Discovery's back to save the day. <laughs> Uh, Steve, tell us why this episode's so great. And we're, um, I'm wrong. Sorry, sorry, <laughs> I haven't. But no, I, I think it's well. I think on the most part, it's a lot of the same kind of problems we talked about earlier, just worse. That the whole notion of you want to get to this point, you want to show certain things, and you're going to make up a reason to do it, and there's just not a good reason, and so it really feels convoluted. Um, and, and, you know, in the grand scope, yes, the, the problem is that they wanted to do this mirror universe tangent and then come back. And maybe that would work if you had a, like two seasons to do all this in, or if you just, you know, held that off till another time or whatever you want to do. But because you, you're totally divested emotionally of the Klingon war and you come back and it's over and it's like, okay, that's unfortunate. They're winning, you know, the Klingons are winning and uh, so many people have died and now we got to fix this. And all the viewers know we only got one episode left too. So, you know, it's going to wrap. And so it feels even more absurd, you know, in the sense that, they got to hurry up and do something. And so, and even with that, they, they fit more than they should in this, because then you go down, let's, let's, let's talk about, uh, let's, let's bring, let's Tyler, let's talk about him. Oh good. He's okay. So let's have some rom-com or whatever with that. And then let's do the spore thing. And they like really make that up. It's basically kind of that whole, let's, let's get everyone excited about this visual effect or something, you know, for the spores and, and so on. So it's just, it's just, it's more of the same, you know, they're just doing things and trying to come up with an excuse to do them. And that just makes it worse. And so, I mean, you know, on paper, if you, if you, if you wrote out all this stuff, what they wanted to do in some kind of timeline, I mean, maybe if you had more time and you had it be, you know, it was driven by the, the characters' motivations and, and what, what makes some sense, but they, they just kind of like make it up as they go just to get to these points in time and things they want to show. And it's just, and it's unfortunate. There's a lot, there's a lot of pretty stuff. There's a lot of actiony stuff and it's, and then, you know, occasionally you have a little bit of fun here and there, but there's a whole lot of nonsense and stuff, you know, and that's what's unfortunate. So, yeah, yeah, Steve, they gave three episodes to the Mirror Universe tangent, but they could only barely give, I mean, they gave two, I mean, two episodes to tidying up everything they'd done prior to that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, if you if you if you were going to do this, maybe if you the proportion was more like instead of nearly half the season in the mirror universe, if it was just like a little, you know, much longer period and it's just a quarter or you just hold it off to another time, another season to do that or whatever. But it it, it makes you just, you know, it, it, it's problematic. Well, it's kind of disappointing because I think I think we would kind of agree. I think one of the, at least one of the mirror episodes was kind of filler. The, 
you know. So I mean, I think they could have got done what they wanted to do in the mirror universe in two episodes, and come back to the, the yeah. prime universe yeah. and handled what they were actually actually the story they were trying to tell. One thing that's so different talking about this show, especially when I'm saying negative things about it, unlike every other Star Trek that we've ever discussed. The people that made this, many of them are still working on the show. <laughs> you know, uh, that's that's different. And they're crying now, hearing what we have to say. <laughs> right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, make sure their Paramount Pluses are canceled. This this episode should have been like four four boring episodes instead of one nonsense episode. That then at least would have been coherent. You know, like the stuff with uh, Tyler. <sighs> I mean, Stamets runs into him in the hallway, and he is way kinder than I he's would have been. Than I re- he's kinder than I remembered. I thought it was worse yeah. than that. He's like, maybe you're still human after all. You know, I mean, it, that scene completely isolated, I might have said, oh, well, that seems like maybe that's maybe that's that Gene Roddenberry evolved humanity in the future thing. But that's not who these people have ever been. That's not what this show is. I think every scene with with it's just too fast tyler's first trip into the commissary everybody sits down with them how's it literally something yeah, like, hey how's it going i mean it's right. like wait what i just i don't understand you know in the same way that that they were too fast to you know keep throwing him back in when he was obviously screwed up in the you know he, he had mental health issues from his torture time he shouldn't have been they're too fast here it, but it, it's just it's not just that they're unreasonable. It's more like um, it's not believable. Like I don't even believe hundreds of year, years from now that it's going to work quite this fast. And everything's oh, he he killed our doctor, but he's cool now because that was like you know days ago. Yeah, I, I think the problem with Tyler is like nothing was kind of earned. So like the scene with Sarek where he's talking about when he's talking with Burnham about love and that kind of thing, and then you have the scene with Tilly where she's like telling her like oh you got to talk to him, love and everything. We, we've talked about this before. I never felt the chemistry never. or that yeah. emotional connection between um, Burnham and Tyler. So when you have those scenes with Sarek and Tilly, you know, trying, you know, to make her see the light, it, it kind of feels empty because I never I never felt that emotional connection between the characters. And it goes back to your point, Brian. It's like, you know, they rush through all of this. And so these emotional plot points that we get in this episode that we're supposed to feel emotion or at least my point of view where i'm supposed to feel emotional about it i don't because i don't have any kind of investment in the tyler burnham relationship but yeah i mean i think they're and i think the mistake was that they made them lovers i think it would have worked a lot better if they kind of had the relationship as more you know friends you know people who helped each other through very emotional times um the love relationship just never never fit with those two and, you know, thankfully, it goes away after this season. I mean, obviously, T- Tyler will be in season two, but we don't have any more of this nonsense <laughs> with the, with these two. Yeah, it's just constantly misplaced, too. You know, I, I like this idea. Tilly has a line, the way we treat him now, that's who he'll become, you know, and trying to get Burnham to go talk to Tyler. Again, completely out of context, there, there's, that's that's a cool concept. That's a, that's That's good. I like that. But in the show, it's just it's completely misplaced. We're in a war. <laughs> You're just gonna wait. What? What? He just killed somebody. What? <laughs> yeah, it's all it all just happens way too fast. It just you don't have time to connect 
with any of it. You don't feel any of the stuff because it's all just feels like they just, you just turn around and there's, you know, everything we've said is all about that, right? They're squeezing in all this stuff they want to, and, and why they had so much other wasted stuff they could have done. Really, they should have just forget the mirror as fun as it was forget the mirror universe stuff uh stretch this out develop it amongst the characters that would have worked so much better because you have all these crazy things that happen here you have you know uh, stamets i mean he has to like play in his eyes just how intense he, how mad he is and there's no way you can show how mad he is and for in kind of a halfway forgiveness in a span of uh two minutes in any reality and then and then and then five minutes later, everyone's buddies, and, and the, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. You can't feel that like that. You can't carry your audience into that, you know? I mean, it's it's crazy. Well, I mean, you know, I think the main difference between, you know, Discovery and past Trek show, I mean, I'm, I feel like it's a roller coaster ride is what this show is. It's It's moving very fast. It's full of fun thrills and everything like that. But, I mean, at this point, it's lacking kind of that emotional connection to characters yeah it, it feels like it wants to be a roller coaster ride but it's actually yeah. somebody telling you about a friend of theirs who got on a roller coaster and <laughs> what they said it was like right well on a positive note i really enjoyed the scene between Sarek and giorgio i think that was my favorite scene in the, the episode that was yeah fun. it was cool i wanted more of that you know th- yeah. that's a, anything positive i can say in this episode it's probably about michelle yo and giorgio i like that her I mean, like, I like that little maneuver her character did so that she got to come, you know, be given command of Discovery as if she's the old Giorgio. But do I like that thing that her character did? Or is it just that her char- that her performance is so good always that she sells it? Maybe somebody else in this episode does something and it would have been like, you know, everybody sitting around Tyler. I, I don't know. At the commissary. I don't know. But yeah, she's great. And I can watch her do anything. And, and you know, going back to Sarek, I I like the scene between Sarek and um, Burnham there. You know, you know the, when he's leaving because I, I I feel an emotional connection between those two actors. Um, you know what has been set up, and like I said, I you know I bagged on Tyler more than Tyler, yeah. Um, and it, you know I don't think it's the actor's fault. I just think it's the writing and the way that the show was 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 put together. I don't I don't fault the the actor for you know the actors for what went down is just how, how the show was produced and written and put together. It just kind of was too fast. But I mean, like, I like those scenes with Sarah and Burnham. I, I, I enjoy those two characters together. Cause you, I, I think it's what you were talking about a couple of weeks ago, Brian, you know, there's a chemistry that, you know, when you're, when you're putting together a, sh- a you know, television show, movie or any kind of production, you have to find that chemistry between actors. And I don't, I just don't think that ever, that was ever really there with, with the actors, Burnham, um, green and and the guy who plays tyler maybe some of this is just there's just so much emotion and it's so constant it's almost like we're just wallowing in it and that's the kind of thing i think about when i compare it to another star trek series to any other star trek series these more modern the more modern shows like this one and picard like even our our leads you know think about uh burnham think about tyler think about sarek and george there's a pretty distinct difference between those first two and the second two. I agree that like Sonequa Martin Green and Ash, no, what's I forget his name, the uh, Ash Tyler, Tyler. actor. Yeah, there's a you know, I, I mean I think that they are 
delivering what the writers intended. It's almost like it's almost like you know because they we have so much less time with characters than we used to in terms of there there you know there there are way fewer episodes in a season. Everything is very intense and it's compressed in that in that fashion that you just by by definition you don't have just the the screen time and the presence with the characters as much as you do in past series to some extent and and what you lose is that you know obviously you're going to have a they're going to focus on moments they're going to focus on moments that drive the story drive the plot you know all this kind of stuff but but presence and time matters it's almost like they need to you know they need to like review this and say like okay it's getting a little too intense uh insert scene of uh somebody going to the bathroom i don't know some i don't know what something but something that's just nothing you need to have some thrown thrown in nothing and then so we can breathe and then come on but because that's that's the big difference is there's like half as number of episodes in a season way fewer seasons than we used to have with the characters and i don't i don't want you know i i get it i get it's just the nature of of how how it is now but that you have to make up for it in some respect you have to realize that you're going to have to do special things in order for the audience to relate to the characters because you don't have the time. You don't have the just the living with these people. And for you can't years make up time. for yeah. you can't make up for a lack of character depth with depth with um, faster cutting and and yeah, yeah, yeah. you know nonsensey craziness. You know the roller coaster ride thing. It it just leaves you shallow if you don't identify with these characters first. I mean, you know, I, I want to go back to something Brian or Steve said in the last, you know. I guess there's got to be a fine line in any kind of production between letting, especially television, between, you know, okay, what's written on the paper? This is our plan. This is how we want the characters to develop, and this is how we want the relationships to be. I mean, I think there's got to be a fine balance between that and letting certain things happen organically. Um, you know, you get into a production, you're like, oh, these two these two actors are really good. This group of actors are good. You know, letting the kind of the story unfold organically as opposed to, like, it's set in stone before we start production. So. I think that's kind of a difference between, you know, 10, 20 years ago when television was being made because they're writing scripts on the fly, as opposed to now, like whenever, you know, before they even start shooting, everything is probably mostly set in place. What's this episode about? You have to send a decisive blow to the Klingons if you don't want them to bother you anymore. Um, I guess it's about coming home. It's uh, there's a, there's obviously an element of forgiveness in this um, episode. I don't know how well they play it out, but that's kind of what they're looking at, you know. Forgiveness and acceptance. Obviously, Tyler was he was this other person that was went through this Klingon experience that we, you know, conversion that we talked about. So now he's back to normal. And how is he going to be accepted back into the crew? And will he be forgiven? There's that theme that's going on in here. And um, I mean, you know, there's some. We might get into this more in the next, you know, when we do the final episode. But I mean, you know, there's some. They hint at it. There's some ethical questions in here. You know, like is is this should Starfleet be doing taking the tactics that they are taking against the Klingons, you know, and there's that debate going on, you know, what will you how far will you take things to survive? I don't think they really hit home on those on those themes, but they clearly, you know, brought it up in this episode. Well I think I, I agree that all those things were had potential to be something, <laughs> but there there's so many of them obviously it would have been hard to execute in a two hour episode that was actually good, you know, so I don't, I don't really think it achieved any of it. You know, I think it was just kind of, kind of just a big throw it out there, drive forward action thing, just like the last one was, you know, unfortunately. So yeah, that's my, that's my opinion. All right. Let's do six degrees for the war without the war within Adam. Yes. 
In this episode, they mention the Klingon caves are big enough to house the type of ship that Discovery is. What class ship was that? What class ship is Discovery? Is that what you're asking? Yeah. Um, they mentioned it in that scene where they're talking about the caves. I don't know that I've heard that word before, so... I, I don't know what class... Yeah, I don't know what class... I, I was thinking it was an NX, but it's there were two of them, so... I'm no. not sure. Steve? I, I don't remember. I think I knew this at one time, but... Crossfield. No, Crossfield. Crossfield class? Yep. See, that's poopy and silly. Yep, yeah, I, yeah. I agree. I just figured I was... <laughs> maybe that wasn't a fair question, but they said it in the episode. <laughs> so, sounds like stereo equipment. Crossfield. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so uh, Steve takes it with one for the day. Steve, you mentioned uh, Monday's First Contact Day festivities. Yes. And tell us what's going on that day. Yes, well, uh, I uh, don't know precisely where one goes. Uh, you can basically search it, Google it, and you'll see that there are links to stream that. In, in the U.S., it, it, it's specifically in, you know, you, you can't see all this stuff all everywhere, but maybe around the world you can see the uh, the various panels. There's going to be virtual panels. This is Monday, April 5th, 2021. Yes, 5th. We're talking. Okay. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Yes, and... Uh, You'll be able to see uh, various virtual panels. I know there's a 25th anniversary of uh, Star Trek First Contact, so some of the um, next-gen cast will be in on that. Um, there's also, I know, a Women in Star Trek panel. A lot of these panels start to get where they're also kind of promoting, you know, some of the series coming up in the various seasons on on Paramount Plus. But I know there's Women in Star Trek. There's also a, a panel that's that uh, Kate Mulgrew is in because of her, uh, you know, being in. She's being in, in Prodigy coming up soon, that animated series. And they're also promoting the Lower Decks next season and so forth, too. So and there's a four or five different panels. And then also in the U.S., you would be able to see uh, something of a curated you know, line of episodes related to First Contact in some respect. So similar to what they did last year, but a little more focused, probably. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds cool. Uh, last year, I remember enjoying so much that I just that I put the put it on kind of in the background while I was working all day, and it was so nice to just have like Star Trek episodes automatically play and jump around series. It was that was fun. I liked that. It was like uh, there are TV stations that still will play uh, different Star Treks or have like a Star Trek marathon. I wish I really wish that there was something. You, I talked about this before, but I wish there was something you do like on Paramount Plus, where you know just just start playing Star Trek episodes and randomly and cure and just you know go like a shuffle no reason why they couldn't i mean yeah. just uh, yeah i mean yeah. that has value in itself or you just part of the package you and just to jump around the series too like yeah. I, I know i think well, Netflix like might have, a shuffle You're yeah but i shuffle. but i wanted to jump series too you know give me okay, something gotcha. from everything yeah that voyager doc it not only it not only got funded but it got funded enough that they're gonna yep. try they still haven't guaranteed they're gonna do it because they haven't worked out the licensing with cbs but they are gonna try to Give us some HD footage of Voyager, just like we got from the DS9 docs. So mm, that's what I heard. Um, I did contribute at the very beginning of it. And I'm, I'm glad to see that that much that part's going through. So I look forward to that in what eight years, something like that. Yep. All right. Uh, so we're going to be back in two weeks to finish out Discovery's first season with the final episode of the season. We're just going to be doing the one episode. 
You can follow us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash trekcompanion. Our Twitter handle is at trekcompanion. You can send us an email, trekcompanion at gmail.com. Thank you so much for spending an hour with us. And until next time, take it easy. Bye, guys. See ya. Stefan, I passed it.